If you have a Bible with you, we're reading from Luke's Gospel today, chapter 19. And we're looking, at, we're kind of in a series where we're looking at the lives of some people who meet Jesus and in meeting Jesus, their lives have been changed. And I was uh, thinking about this chapter and, or this section, and I was getting ready to go on a bike ride and I was thinking about it and I'd put my, my helmet on, safety first of course, and I was thinking, okay, I'm getting ready to go on my bike and then I had what I thought was an inspirational thought. It wasn't inspirational after all. But I sat down and opened my Bible again and I sat there in all my cycling gear with my helmet on. Oh, okay, it was a child. I thought somebody was laughing at the thought of me. And <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was just me in cycling gear. That was hilarious. Phew, okay. Um, and I was, but it, actually, it's exactly right. I was in my cycling gear, I had my helmet on, and I was reading God's Word, and I thought, imagine if someone saw me now reading the Bible with a safety helmet on. I would look such an idiot. And then it made me start thinking, actually, but this passage is really dangerous. It's kind of a... We kind of need to be wearing a safety helmet when we come to God's Word. And so that's kind of where I'm at with it this morning is I kind of feel like I want a safety helmet on and you might want some safety helmet as well. So we're looking at this familiar story of Zacchaeus from Luke 19. And it's 10 simple short verses. So verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was, the, he was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he's gone to the, be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him today, said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save the lost. Let's just pray as we, before we come to open that up. Father God, I pray that you would anoint the word while it's preached today. Let it be made flesh in the name of Jesus. I just want to thank you for what you're about to do in the midst of your people. That there is nothing too hard for you. We believe in you for miracles and for supernatural power. Lord, let your glory be established in this place. I thank you now in the name of Jesus. Amen. 
So I want to put in context this text so we can not only understand the words that are written and the storyline that is kind of being shared, but the atmosphere in which it occurs. You know, I think that atmosphere is important because all we've got here are just words and letters, and the words and letters do not convey the atmosphere of the text. You all know what it's like when there's an atmosphere. You come in maybe slightly later than you said, and there might be a touch of an atmosphere in the house. Claire, I think that's just us, love. <laughs> well, this atmosphere that I'm talking about in this story is because this story takes place at a time when Jesus is thinking about his own future, thinking about his own challenges. You see, this story takes place in the final week of Jesus' life. Jesus here is on his way to Jerusalem to be arrested, to be crucified. And as I thought about it, I thought, actually, Jesus knows where he's going. He knows he's going to the cross. And this actually might be quite a difficult week for Jesus. Quite a bad week for Jesus. Now I can already imagine, oh, you're going, Jesus can't have a difficult week. Jesus can't have a bad week. Well, actually he can. It was bad enough. It was tough enough that he'd sweat drops of blood in the Garden of Gethsemane. And I'd say that Jesus had a pretty bad week. And we seem to sometimes forget that Jesus is man. We recognize so quickly that he is God. We fail to remember that he is man. That Jesus is all the way man. And all the way God. And sometimes we're just so busy proving to others that Jesus is God that we forget he's a man. And as a man, he knew what it was to be tired. As a man, he knew what it was to be tempted in every way and yet be without sin. As a man, he cried at the graveside of Lazarus. For Jesus was man enough to cry but he was also God enough to raise him from the dead. And it's important that we remember that Jesus was a man because if we don't understand him as a man, then that gives us permission not to live like Jesus. Because we can say, well, Jesus did it, but Jesus was God. But no, Jesus becomes flesh for us so we could walk out his faith in our lives. He proves what he did can be done. And Jesus gave up his omniscience, his omnipotence, and his omnipresence. He emptied himself of all his divine powers and lived in this kind of clay pot we call a body. Jesus had the same emotional complexity that we have. He had the same upheaval he felt the same pains. He went through all the kind of things that we go through. I was thinking again about Judas and how he betrayed Jesus. And I'm sure at one point, one of us will either be the betrayed or the betrayer. And Jesus gets that. He understands 
And he shows us how to deal with our Judas. When Sam preached back in January, it really struck me when I realized that during the Passover, Jesus passed Judas the bread. That he was feeding Judas. He was passing it to Judas. He knew what was about to happen and he didn't stop speaking to him. He didn't disconnect him, block him. He didn't cancel him. But he fed his Judas. And then he tells us to do good to them. Just incredible. And so Jesus has all this emotional stuff going on as he's on his way to Jerusalem. And into the story of this final week, right out of nowhere, leaps Zacchaeus. You know, Jesus and his followers are just passing through Jericho. And he just kind of appears out of nowhere. Literally, up there. You know, Zacchaeus isn't one of the disciples. He's not in the inner circle. He's not on the exec planning board. He's not on the security team. He's not in the praise team. He's not in the welcome team. He's not even on the setup team. He just suddenly leaps out of nowhere. And Jesus stops in the middle of that week. So who is this Zacchaeus? Well, firstly, he is a tax collector. In fact, he is the chief tax collector, which means he is hated by everybody. For tax collectors, like dentists, are never popular people. I don't believe you can be a Christian and a dentist. (laughs) Now, the Roman apologies... uh, but if you need help after, see somebody else. Now, the Roman tax system was 100% corrupt to the core. To become a tax collector, you had to bribe someone to get the job. Because once you got the job, you were going to make a lot of money. And then in the Roman kind of tax system, Rome didn't care how much money you collected as long as they got the correct amount for them. You could collect two, three, four, five, as much as ten times as much as Rome required and keep all of the extra for yourself. So really the tax collector is like the mafia extortionist. He can come to your house and say, you're going to pay me this amount. And even though Rome has only said it's this much, you're going to pay me this much, and if you don't do it, I'm going to have you thrown into jail. And for a Jew, which Zacchaeus is, to become a tax collector is like treason. It's going over to the dark side. No self-respecting Jew would ever become a Roman tax collector. It's just unthinkable. And yet Zacchaeus has done the unthinkable. So without a doubt, Zacchaeus is disowned by his family. Because no family wants a son who represents Rome in the most corrupt area of taxes. In fact... 
In those days, you were barred. You were stopped from going to worship if you worked for Rome. You couldn't go to the Jewish synagogue because they believed you had sold out. In fact, Jewish law in that day meant that anybody who was a tax collector for Rome was considered in the same class as a murderer. So he is not a popular man in Jericho. In fact, he's possibly the most hated, unpopular man in that entire place. But also we learn, verse 9, that he is by birthright a son of Abraham. That he is one of God's chosen people. That he is a Jew. That he's the son of Abraham. A third thing we know about Zacchaeus is that his name means the righteous one. The pure one. Bit of an oxymoron here, isn't it? And this would imply that his parents had these great dreams and ambitions for him because they wanted their son to be morally upright, upstanding, a decent person. And yet in this story, we see that Zacchaeus no longer lives like a righteous son of Abraham and that he's long since moved away from who he was. And I thought about that and I thought, how quickly... How easily we can get away from who we are. We can so quickly get away from what we were taught. What we were meant to be and lose ourselves. And Zacchaeus has lost himself in the opportunities that Rome has provided. He has lost himself in his desire for wealth, for power, for prestige. He has forsaken his origin. He had the opportunities that allowed him to live as if he is no longer a son of Abraham. And so here the Bible is reminding us that Zacchaeus is a son of Abraham. That he is meant to be a righteous one. Because he's not acting like a son of Abraham. This week at school, I had to call in some parents because we had a couple of naughty children. And it's great fun, to be honest. Um, And we sat there, and the child sits there, and we get them to confess everything. And, um, And the parent looked at their child, and he said, we didn't raise you to be like that. And I thought, wow. That's that's the sermon right there, you know. And Zacchaeus has lost the things he was raised to be. Righteous, pure, son of Abraham. And it's this Zacchaeus who's lost it all, hated by his community, who heard that Jesus was coming The other thing we know about Zacchaeus is he is short. He is small. Says there in verses 2 and 3, A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. 
And what is interesting here is that dichotomy between Zacchaeus, who is the chief tax collector, who is wealthy, who has, if you want, this prestige and this place in society, and if you want, in a high place, but he's quite a short man. And I think the dichotomy there is not by accident. Because on one hand, it's telling us how big he is. But on the other hand, they're emphasizing how small he is. Now, when I'm saying big, I'm not talking about, obviously, height. I'm talking about his place. It's not just money, but it's the power he has. For he is the chief of the tax collectors. And even though they don't like him, they don't fool with him. Because he's connected with Rome He knows people. And when you know people, you have power. You can make things happen. And Zacchaeus is this big guy. But he's small. Zacchaeus is this big guy. But he's got this problem that he can't fix. Zacchaeus has all of this stuff, but all his power and influence with Rome can't fix it. He's this big guy, but he's short. But, and that's the word that jumped out at me from verse 3. So I want to talk about buts for a minute. Butts are very fashionable at the moment. I was at the gym a couple of weeks back and there was um, a machine called the booty machine. And it's just for improving your butt. And the world likes butts. You're right there, Bev. (laughs) Jason has never been so embarrassed at his wife there. Or wondering where I'm going. (laughs) You see, for all of us, we have a a but in our life. Zacchaeus is rich. He's powerful. But he is short. Every person has a but that we have to live with. Yes, he's living with his power and his riches. However, he's wrestling with this thing. This thing that means he comes up short. It could be, I can make money, but I can't manage it. I'm really good, I'm really good at starting relationships, but I just can't keep them. I look mighty fine on a Sunday, but at home, I'm angry like a rattlesnake. I sound so caring and wise, but I gossip. But there's always something that we wrestle with that makes us need God in our lives. You know, it doesn't matter how much property we own. 
It doesn't matter whether we have a portfolio or not. It doesn't matter who we know. It doesn't matter what we drive. It doesn't matter where we live. For there's always a but that makes us need God. You know, I don't come to church because it's a duty. I don't just keep having a quiet time or come to church because I love him. I don't come to church, have a quiet time, or raise my hands in worship because I like him. I do these things because I need him. You see, there's a but. I need him. I could feel I'm successful, but, but my childhood, oh my childhood. I'm an executive now, but, but I've been mistreated for much of my life. I've made all this money, but my family's breaking apart. I've had a few husbands, but this one's thinking of leaving too. And we've all got this but in our lives. And this but should put us on our knees. This but that's in our lives should humble us. This but should make us call on God. This but is the thing that makes us raise our hands in worship. I'm doing good, but. I'm looking nice, but. I'm smelling good, but. And yet we act as though we don't have a but. But we all have a but. Zacchaeus doesn't come to Jesus because he has power. He doesn't come to Jesus because he's rich. He comes to Jesus because he has a but in his life. All the things that are working for him, they're not the problem. It's the thing that's not working for him. That's the problem. But. And Zacchaeus somehow knows that God, that Jesus is coming. And it says that he gets in God's path. It says it in verse 4. It says he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. And I think this is really valuable because we live in a world today, even in church, where we're so busy trying to get God to come into our path. Bless my project, Lord. Bless what I'm doing, Jesus. Bless the thing I'm going after. Bless what I'm getting ready to do. Lord, I need you to bless me. But God needs us to bless what he's doing. If we find out what God is doing, we'll be more successful than trying to woo God over to our side. God made us for his glory. He's not made for our glory. And we need to kind of untangle some of this narcissistic stuff that we believe. 
where we have a tendency not just to use people, but use God. Where it's, bless my prayers. Bless my agenda. Bless what I'm trying to do. Bless the thing I'm going after. And of course, that's all right in its place. But God has a plan. We say it again and again, but do you really know it? God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And that in order to be ultimately, fully, completely, and totally fulfilled, you have to get in God's plan. And when I was thinking about this, I started to realize that there's so many people in the New Testament that they receive a miracle, miracle because they get in God's path. The woman with the issue of blood, if she had been a street over, she would have bled to death. The reason her bleeding stopped was she put herself in God's path. Blind Bartimaeus, he would have died a blind man if he had been in the wrong alley or in the wrong street. But he got his sight because he got in God's path. The 10 lepers would have died of leprosy, but they got in God's way. And Zacchaeus was a man who said, if I can get in the path of God, everything else will take care of itself. So he runs down this road and he sees a tree. And because he knew he was short, he climbed the tree. Do you feel you're coming up short? Short as a husband, short as a wife, short in your finances. I want you to know God's got a tree. For some of you this morning, you need to hear that. That God's got a tree waiting for you. I'm going to say something so simple, and you might laugh, and that's okay. It is so simple. You see, trees take a long time to grow. Do you get that? Trees take a long time to grow. So I believe that God grew that tree before Zacchaeus' parents had ever met. God had already had this idea of the tree because he knew that Zacchaeus was going to come up short. And God is growing you a tree. I don't know if you get it. That just makes me so... Excitated. It's not even a word. That's how good it is. Excitated to think. To think that God would love me enough to plant me a tree. Before my parents had even met, he has 
started this plan for my salvation and my redemption, my fulfillment. To think that his, and I don't get it, I genuinely don't get it, but it's there. That his foreknowledge is so profound that he's already raised that tree. So when I get hungry enough, when I get thirsty enough, when I get humble enough, when I get down on my knees enough to admit that I come up short, that he has already got me a tree. And for Zacchaeus, the real pivot point is when he humbles himself and admits that he comes up short. And he runs and he climbs the tree. Yes, Lord, I'm short, but I'm climbing. Lord, I've been distracted, but I'm climbing. Lord, I've been broken, but I'm climbing. I'm hurt, but I'm climbing. Lord, I'm depressed, but I'm climbing. Lord, I'm worried, I'm down, but I'm climbing. And for Zacchaeus, the pivot point is he humbles himself and admits he comes up short and he begins to climb. And yet we get so caught up in the things that we do have, in the gifts we have, in the things we have, that we forget we come up short. One of the problems with the Pharisees is that they would never admit they came up short. They were so busy trying to impress everybody with how high they were, how big they were, how spiritual they were. They never recognized that they came up short. The problem with the people of Israel when they got the law is that the law was never given for them to live up to the law. It was given to them so that they would see that they cannot live up to the law. For them to admit that they can't keep the law. For them to see that in front of a holy God, they come up short. In Scotland, I am considered tall. I know that is hard to believe. The average height for a Scotsman is five foot eight. I know you're thinking that you're only five foot seven. No, I'm five foot eight and a half. It's a very important half. In England, I am short because the average height is five foot nine. Jason, if you come and just stand next to me for one second, I'm not going to ask you to do anything except stand. We'll just stand right. I'm tall in Scotland, but I come up short here. Thank you. I come up short. And we think we can have it all together because we measure ourselves against people of our stature. But we're measuring ourselves against a holy God. The Bible teaches us all have sinned and fallen short. Oh my word. <laughs> all have fallen, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of the standard of God. He's not the only short guy. We all fall short. 
I fall short as a parent. I fall short. I was expecting an amen there. Phew. I fall short as a colleague. I fall short as a son. I fall short as a friend. I fall short. I don't even measure up to my own standards, let alone God's standards. And Zacchaeus, he knew he fell short, so he climbed up the tree. Zacchaeus gets in God's path. And he climbs up this tree and he waits. And he waits and he positions himself for an encounter with Jesus. And here comes Jesus. Jesus. Jesus comes to Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus didn't come to Jesus. Jesus. The Word, the Logos. Jesus, God Almighty. Jesus comes to Zacchaeus. And verse 5 says that when Jesus got to the tree, he looked up. He stops at Zacchaeus' tree, and in this packed crowd, he pauses. And of all the people that are there in the crowd, he notices and pays attention to Zacchaeus. I can't imagine how Zacchaeus is feeling. Zacchaeus is just, if I climb the tree, I could get a glimpse of this guy. And all of a sudden, Jesus stops and looks up. And he calls him by name. I wonder when the last time anybody had called Zacchaeus by his actual name, instead of scum or other swear words. And Jesus is saying, Zacchaeus, Righteous one. Zacchaeus, pure one. And Zacchaeus is there. Me? Me. Jesus is noticing me. He's totally focused on me. He's not looking at anybody else. But, but, but I'm little. I'm short. I'm I'm sure I'm overlooked, I'm insignificant. But Jesus is paying attention to me. And God, he knew, Jesus knew Zacchaeus would be in the tree in that moment. I wonder if the sole purpose of that tree was to bless Zacchaeus. That's another story. But I wanted to ask you, or tell you, God knows where you are at this moment. He knows where you are. He sees everything that has happened to you. He's seen every word of abuse that's been hurled at you. He heard it all. He saw every unkind act that's ever been done to you. And he grieved when it happened. And he sees Zacchaeus. And God, no matter what you're going through, has not forgotten you. 
no matter how small, how short you feel, Jesus sees you. Jesus sees you. You know, I'm just going to finish it there. There's so much other stuff that goes on. But I want to finish it there with Jesus looking up and seeing Zacchaeus. Jesus looking up and seeing Zacchaeus. But I think the real burden in my heart is don't let Jesus look up and you not be there. Don't let Jesus look up and you've not come out to climb that tree. Lord, I want to be there. I want to be there when you come. Lord, I want to be there. The worship team could come up. Don't let Jesus look up and you've not humbled yourself and got in his path. Just before we worship or carry on worshiping, can I encourage you maybe just to close your eyes for a minute? You know, it can sometimes be helpful to sit up straight. Just rest your hands in your lap in a kind of open posture. Your hands open as though you're receiving something, something good. And just take a moment to think of the but in your life. Now I know the tendency is we could start thinking about the but in someone else's life. But think about yourself. Think about the thing, the area you come up short. That area where you're not enough. Lord, I need you like the rain. Come to me and let me sing again. Lord, I need you to be here. Come to me so I can feel you near.
What's amazing about this story? Zacchaeus focused on his butt. But Jesus just says, Zacchaeus, come down. I want to come and spend time with you. Jesus sees you. Can you hear him call your name? Can you hear him say, come, come down and fellowship with me?